0: I want to talk this morning about a father's dream. A father's dream that we look to uh, as we think often uh, a lot of times of uh, Christmas time when we look at the story of, of Mary and Joseph and what they experienced uh, as it they, as they led up to uh, Jesus' birth. But we're, we're looking on this Father's Day here at this passage because it is very uh, applicable to reflect on, on just what Joseph experienced, what, what kind of frame of mind he was in, and, 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 and how he responded, and how that teaches us and encourages us, as, as men and as women, as, as servants of the Lord, um, to live uh, in, in, in a like manner. Um, every father has dreams for their children. Um, if, if a man or father denies that they don't, then they're, they're misleading you. Uh, now, ultimately, what that dream is, 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 uh, is subjective. Um, they have, ultimately, I think every man dreams that their children will grow up um, to ultimately live successful lives. That's the most basic dream that I think every father has. But some fathers have other kinds of dreams for their children that sometimes don't come true. There is a kind of dream that fathers have that maybe their children will grow up to be successful. Maybe the star athlete. I told you last week that, you know, sometimes family uh, can be blind and deaf when it comes to talent. Uh, Well, uh, sometimes when those children are even just toddlers and are kind of crawling around, uh, parents or fathers sometimes will get this dream that they're going to grow up to be great athletes. or they're going to grow up to be... Uh, some kind of star. I want my child to be on top of the world. Um, my dad had a dream that I would grow up to be a Duke fan. And that dream <laughs> did not come true. That dream burst. That bubble burst. Yep. Uh, but but on, a, on a serious note, what are men to do with their hopes and dreams for their future success of their children? What are they supposed to dream? What are they supposed to hope for when it comes to their children? And what do they do when their children seem to be uh, shattered or or altered? That dream gets challenged. Uh, today we're going to look at a man who is mentioned very little in Scripture. If you think about it, we, th- we think about Joseph a lot because we think a lot about Christmas and we think about the Christmas story and, and Joseph and Mary and all that. But if you really think about it, Joseph really is not mentioned much in Scripture. He's mentioned a little bit here in, the, in Matthew, a little bit in Luke, and that's it. Nowhere else do we have any kind of teaching about Joseph. Joseph isn't with, uh, uh, with Jesus and the disciples at the end. We don't see, we hear, we make. there's mention of Mary being there at the foot of the cross, but, but we don't see Joseph. That's not to say Joseph wasn't there, but we don't know. Maybe Joseph had passed away at that point. Again, we don't know. Scripture doesn't fill those gaps in. So we don't have a lot to look to when it comes to Joseph. But we have this story here in Matthew. Joseph had, I'm sure, a dream, a plan for his life. I'm sure, just like any person at this point in, in this point in history, or any person today, uh, he was a carpenter by trade. I'm sure, maybe he thought that uh, Jesus would grow up and take over the family business. Maybe that was his dream. A lot of times, parents have that dream for their children, that they're going to grow up and follow in their footsteps and carry on the family name or carry on the family line. I imagine that Joseph could not possibly have imagined that this baby that was going to be born of Mary would grow up to change the world, even though this Holy Spirit tells him so. After all, he was dreaming. And so how much stock, how much truth, how much how much would he put and invest in this dream and in this word that was given to him? Well, just like any man or husband, Joseph had plans. The Scripture says that he was pledged to be married with to Mary. And as we talked a little bit last week about the betrothal tradition in Scripture, it was quite different than what we know of today, engagement. Families would enter into this binding contract that could be only broken by death, or legal divorce. The betrothal period was usually one year prior to the woman leaving her mother and father to live with her husband. And as I talked about last week, when you got when you got betrothed or engaged, you were legally married. You were binded to that family. There was no leaving the altar. Um, you were going to be committed. And, and again, if that... If you did break that betrothal that you entered into, it would have to be legal, a legal divorce or death. So legally, Joseph and Mary were married in all uh, legal terms of the word. But they had not yet come together. They had not yet joined. They had not yet gone through the marriage ceremony and consummated the marriage we're not told much about their hopes and dreams, but about their future as husband and wife. But Mary and Joseph were likely planning their futures together and beginning to talk about what they would do and how they might raise children, and just like anybody would do, how many children they might have and, and those kinds of things. Joseph was a carpenter and would have, like many in those days, taught his offspring to be a carpenter. But their original dream would be interrupted. Joseph's dream for his son to grow up and take the family business, as the angel or as this messenger tells Joseph in the dream, is going to be interrupted. It's going to be changed. Joseph's dreams for his future were interrupted, if nothing else, by the news of Mary's pregnancy. Now, again, think back to what I've just explained. You you get betrothed, you get engaged, and you're engaged for a year, but in that year, you do not consummate the marriage. You don't do that until the marriage ceremony. They have not reached that time period, and Mary shows up pregnant. So, if it was meant heal, and this took place, there'd be a lot of gossip about what's going on, right? Uh, Mary's been kind of getting around, you know, she's not been faithful, she's broken the vows, she's uh, not doing what she's supposed to do, we'd have all kinds of gossip, we've had all kinds of word, you know it would, it'd go right around um, even in a place that's a little bit bigger than maybe this place was. But scripture is clear that Mary was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Joseph doesn't fully understand, this never happened before. So Joseph would have pursued nothing less than unfaithfulness. He probably would have had the same kind of of guesses, of of assumptions that Mary must have been unfaithful uh, because after all he knows he has not been with her. And so he would have probably been very righteous in uh, seeking a divorce because she has broken the vow. But Joseph gets his... Plans even to divorce her quietly, as the scripture says. Interrupted as well. This, of course, would breach the contract. Mary and Joseph, as we talked about, and he would give him cause for divorce, or worse, even stoning. Is again, even because, uh, even just, even though that they were not legally married, uh, they had not gone through the ceremony. Um, they were legally together. Their contract was binding. And so for her to break this contract meant she had committed adultery if, according to uh, what most people would see. And so she, if you commit adultery according to Old Testament law, you are subject to be stoned or to go before uh, the crowd and to experience the stoning and to be put to death. Now most scholars agree that by this time in, 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 um, in the ancient uh, world, that the act of stoning was probably rarely followed through. Um, It's not to say it never was, but the death penalty in a lot of cases was set aside. I think a lot of times because there's not a lot of reasons given, but I I believe it's because those Sadducees realized that if they started to engage in stoning uh, for these people, they would start to have to face uh, the news for themselves because... They were guilty as well. And so I think a lot of people, uh, you you have Jesus that comes along, remember, and he says those that are without sin cast the first stone. Well, that's a a powerful word, but I think people even knew uh, during that time, before even Jesus came along, that if they engaged in the act of stoning in one person, they would have to engage in the act of stoning in many people. And so a lot of times the death penalty, or at least this stoning, uh, was set aside. But according to Scripture, Joseph had all legal right to have his wife stoned, or at the very least, divorced and shamed. What would you have done if you were in Joseph's shoes? How how would you react if someone had wronged you in this way, or at least if you perceived it? Because all the information he has up to that point, up until that dream, was that Mary was committed to him, and yet she has shown up to be pregnant. Often the, the pain and hurt that we experience by the letdown of those we trust turns into anger and bitterness and keeps us further away from the will of God. So what we have to seek first when we feel as though someone has wronged us is to make sure that we are being uh, people and agents of forgiveness, of mercy and grace. As our our word teaches us, as the scripture teaches us to forgive so that we might be forgiven. Sometimes the anger gets misplaced and pours out onto all those around you or us. But we can learn a big lesson from Joseph. Verse 19 says that, Because Joseph was a righteous or a fair man, some translations say a fair man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. We've all experienced something like this. Maybe it was a coach or a teacher that's been asked to resign. You know, we get those strange resignations. I was... was, um, talking to someone just actually, I guess it was a week ago, about a coach that uh, suddenly resigned and nobody um, really knew or had. there was never really a reason given. Um, maybe it was because he wasn't winning enough or maybe it was because um, they weren't doing the right thing behind the scenes. Oftentimes we don't know, but we all have experienced something like this where uh, the, the, the community doesn't want to shame that person. They don't want to hurt that person, but they need that person to step away. And so In a lot of ways, this is what Joseph has in mind to do. He's going to divorce her quietly so that she can still have her status in society, still go out and do whatever she wishes to do, even though that would be a little bit hard being pregnant. But uh, he's going to, at, at the very least, not cause any public disgrace. The truth is that it would have been hard in ancient times to hide the disgrace, even in today's times, of marital unfaithfulness from the public. But Joseph chooses not to compound her anguish. In other words, he doesn't want to pile on. He doesn't allow the angerness and bitterness to overcome him because he is a righteous or a fair man. So before he's even confronted with uh, the Holy Spirit, before he's even uh, given this dream, this this word from the messenger of God about uh, Mary being pregnant with the Holy Spirit he still has a righteous or a fair mind. He doesn't allow that bitterness and anger. So we can learn a lot from Joseph and his, and his character just from how he acts, even before he is confronted with the messenger and how he experiences and how he handles the, the mistrust or the perceived wrong of Mary's pregnancy. Some don't want to make more of Joseph's decision, then he simply was following the letter of the law. But I have to think that he was demonstrating the qualities of a father worthy of being the earthly father of God's Son. Someone who had compassion, someone who had a level of grace and mercy just in their character. He demonstrates not the roughest form of justice, but a kind of response that resembles grace. And that he was in his right to condemn her to death, but chose instead to settle it quietly. Joseph demonstrates what we men should do in the face of interrupted dreams. How often do our dreams that get interrupted uh, cause us to just uh, go into a state of, again, anger and bitterness or frustration, and we pout, if you will, because we don't get our way. We should avoid the anger and bitterness that comes from self-indulgence and demonstrate gentleness and grace. In the blinking of an eye, Joseph's original hopes and dreams for the life with Mary have been completely altered, but he is unwilling to move forward with bitterness and anger. He's willing, rather, to move forward as best he can with grace and mercy. The Scripture is clear that Joseph had made his mind up. He intended to divorce Mary. As much as he demonstrated grace in not stoning her or publicly humiliating her, he had decided to find a new dream that didn't include Mary. However... Joseph would be given a new dream and it would include Mary and it comes from God himself in this angel that approaches him verses 20 through 21 if you will says but after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in the dream and said Joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the holy spirit verse 21 she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because He will save His people from their sins. Now imagine getting that dream for your child. Imagine giving that inspiration for what is going to become your new reality. How are you going to lead? Or how are you going to teach and train? How are you going to be the father of a child that has that many lofty goals, it must have taken someone of great character to do so. The scripture says that despite his own natural inclinations and thus Jesus becomes officially the son of David, by by Joseph giving him the name, Jesus. It says that by giving him the name Jesus, he will save the people from their sins. There are two actions Joseph is to take. One, he should accept Mary as his wife. And two, give her son a name. And the reason that's important is because the father was the one who gave their son a name. If the father named that child, that was the legal equivalent of adoption. And so that, that uh, individual would become... The earthly father to that child. Whether the adopted or birth father, the family name and official status of heir would be passed on. It was prophesied that the Messiah, the Son of David, would come, the Son of God would come from the lineage of David. And we know from Joseph's lineage that he comes from the line of David. The action of Joseph adopting and naming Jesus fulfills the prophecy and gives him that that whole. New dream. The point of the dream in this passage is to emphasize the initiative of God in guiding Joseph's actions through this crucial period. Joseph allowed that dream to become his reality. Sometimes we are called upon to set aside our plans for the future, to change the minds and Allow the will of God to become our hopes and dreams. We saw the disciples firsthand struggle with this. As they had dreams and hopes for what Jesus would be as a Messiah, they wanted him to be an earthly king. They wanted him to be an earthly Messiah, but he teaches them that he's going to be a different kind of Messiah. He's going to save people from their sins, and he's going to save them and give them eternal life, something that is really, really foreign to them. And so they're challenged, even the disciples, with their hopes and dreams for their Messiah. How often do we have our own kind of perception about what church should look like or what the community of faith should look like, and then are challenged with God's true will? Do we allow God's hopes and dreams? Do we allow His will to come through, or do we constantly push our own agenda or our own hopes and dreams? The dream revealed for Joseph what us, the reader, already knew, that even the pregnancy was part of God's divine plan. Interrupted dreams are not always a bad thing. Often our will is interrupted because what God wants to replace it with is much better. It's much better than we could ever imagine. But we have to be willing to take that chance, to take the chance to say, It's not our will and it's not our desires that should take priority, but rather the will of God and His hopes and dreams. The name Jesus literally means Yahweh is salvation or God is salvation. That's what that name translates to. The scripture says He will also be called Emmanuel, God with us. How was that for a father's dream? Again, reflect on that. The adopted son of Joseph will grow up to extend salvation to a hurt and lost world. And through love and through His grace and mercy and His presence will extend everlasting life, will save them. God was shaping and reshaping the dreams of Joseph, the earthly adopted father of Jesus, the Son of God. Whether you're a father or whether you're a woman here today or whether you're a man that's not a father that is here today and you're willing to serve the Lord, we all should allow our dreams, our plans for the future to be shaped by God's divine plan. Are we constantly praying that God will show us His will? Not only in how we live our lives here in church. That's an easy prayer sometimes to pray. Sometimes. But how often are we praying that prayer for our own personal lives? How often do we really separate? Let's be honest. Don't we often separate our life here at church with our life at home? Don't we often do that? We say, okay, well, we're going to be good. We're going to follow God's will. We're going to follow his plan when we're at church. But when I'm in, in work, I, I just all I do, all I'm there for is just to get a paycheck, right? Wrong. God's put you wherever He's put you, and He's given you uh, a certain uh, mantle, if you will, a certain audience. And so we ought to take every action, whether it's at work or whether it's wherever we are. Are we praying that prayer? I mean, after all, it's not like Joseph was sitting around in church praying these prayers. He didn't have church back then. I mean, they had a synagogue. They would go and practice rituals, but he didn't have worship like we have worship today and have church like we have church today. And yet, the Word teaches us so much about how, how Joseph allowed God to shape his life. And so, when we're challenged with His Word to, to shape our lives, we are hopefully praying that He's going to shape our lives wherever we are. We must learn to dream a life, a future that includes the very presence and direction of of the Holy Spirit, the most powerful and important dream a father can have for their son or daughter is that they will grow up to know God and do His will. My grandfather used to always tell us when he would kind of get everybody's attention, maybe right before prayer, which he always cry through, but uh, he'd get everybody's attention in the family before family prayer before family dinner, and he would always just say, "I hope that there's only one thing. I hope there's one thing that you've learned from me and my." in my life and that is that that you love God and you put God first in your life. He used to always say that. I think that every father has that dream for their children that they would grow up to have God in their lives. To grow up to be people that that will have the kind of character that Joseph has here. The kind of character that, that 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 extends mercy and grace and and that is successful in their lives that has Um, love and peace and hope and all of those things. We don't want struggle. We don't want strife for our children. If we learn to dream the dream of our Heavenly Father, we can rest assured that that dream will become reality for future generations as it did here in the Scripture. And the reality is one that is full of love that comes through the knowledge of Emmanuel, God, with us and the hope, that salvation that comes by the name of Jesus. There's two things I hope, again, that you get from the dream that, 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 Jesus, that Joseph had, and that is that no matter how God is shaping our dream, that we remember that, that God is with us, that Emmanuel, God is with us. He sent Jesus and he sent us his Holy Spirit so that we can have God with us. So he doesn't give us a dream and say, here, do it and we're left alone just to kind of navigate our way around. No, rather He is with us all the time, guiding us and propelling us and preparing us for what will come ahead. And then secondly, that it is only through Jesus that salvation and that hope comes. The message we should understand from the text is clear. Sometimes we have to allow our dreams, our plans to be interrupted by God. We may have to sacrifice our desires, we may have to sacrifice our will, but God has often much larger dreams for those who commit to His purpose. We may not always understand them, but be comfortable with them, or, or feel nice and tingly inside, but following the dream of God's plan will allow the remarkable to be accomplished. So we this morning, dare to dream not of selfish ambition, but of the will of God. Allow your life to be shaped by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we pray this morning, as as we close our service on this special Father's Day, I pray that each one of us would be challenged. That we would be challenged to Learn more about the character of Joseph. We don't have a lot of scripture about him, but in these in this passage we've read today, we have gained so much knowledge and understanding about how he adjusted and how he prepared for interrupted dream, for interrupted plans. May we actually pray that prayer. May we be so bold to say, God, would you come and just shake me up? Would you come and... Get my attention. If I'm going down the wrong path, would you just straighten me out? Lord, if we could all pray that prayer and find our way to doing God's will and His work, Lord, that's when we'll see remarkable things. That's when we'll see the world changed. If nothing else, but we'll see it changed with the knowledge and understanding that Jesus is God with us, and he is our salvation. He is our light. He is our hope. He is our everlasting life. May we share that message with the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom?